Hello, everyone. I am letting in Juan Campu and Richard Barrett. Give me one second. And here they come. Perfect. Welcome, Juan. Welcome, Richard. So I am uh, Catherine Walker. I'm the CEO of Revitalist Lifestyle and Wellness. And today we are talking about our online platform that fortunately these um, lovely men have helped us to all come together and create so we can really expand access, um, improve education, and really just look at how the brain works. So um, my background, I've been in nursing for over 20 years and uh, have an advanced degree in anesthesia and psychiatry. And then I created Revitalist uh, to where we do a lot of ketamine clinics. And it's allowed me to really see the multifaceted aspects of the brain and to see really how much we don't know. Um, so it's amazing to meet people like Richard Barrett and Juan and how we've been able to pull together on a similar platform, but on an international level. So uh, Juan, would you like to introduce yourself, sir? Thank you. Thank you. The sir part is not necessary. Uh, I am you. We are one. Uh, maybe that's a good way to start this. My name is Juan, everyone. Good to meet you all. It's a pleasure to be on this call. Hopefully we can inspire today with some of our experiences and thoughts. Uh, I come originally from Argentina. I've uh, been living in the Netherlands for a while. And if you ask me what I'm about, it's all about the journey into consciousness. Helping, uh, well, first myself, <laughs> because we're all on a journey. And then helping others as well in shifting and erase, erasing that consciousness. Lovely to be here. Thank you. And then Richard, would you like to tell them who you are and then a big background of everything? Because I want to add on to how we came together. Okay. Too. Well, thank you, Katie. And thank you, Juan. Um, I'm Richard Barrett. I've been working in this space of consciousness, of the mind, um, values, uh, creativity uh, for uh, over 30 years now. And I developed models and tools to explain um, how we operate and how we get from being unconscious, which most people are, to being conscious. Uh, being conscious means taking responsibility for all of your thoughts and action. Um, and uh, most of us uh, have been conditioned during our childhood and teenage years uh, into a belief systems that don't work for us. And becoming conscious means letting go of those belief systems and uh, understanding who you are, why you're here on the planet and how you can self-express, connect and contribute. So let me stop there because I'm sure there'll be all sorts of things coming up in our talk. Because Richard's spoken to me on several levels, so he knows how complex it can be sometimes. So, um, so yeah, so the way that Richard and I met, actually, I was speaking to a therapist and I was speaking about the different levels of consciousness. So the anesthesia world, we say there's three levels of consciousness. And really that's more so, are you awake? Are you asleep? Do you have recall kind of thing? Um, and I, and I looked at quantum physics and was trying to understand the different levels of consciousness. And because I, I just knew that there was something more and the therapist that I was speaking with didn't understand in any capacity as to what I was talking about. 
But what I was trying to tell the example I gave was actually with a police officer. And I said, you know, the police officer sometimes would be more comfortable with a gun in their mouth instead of actually speaking to someone. And why is that? Like, why does that exist? So I started looking at quantum physics and the levels of consciousness. And I came across Richard with the seven levels of consciousness. And, and that really gave me so much insight um, as to what I was looking for, because, you know, we're this all or none society. Either you have to do therapy or you don't have to do therapy. And really what Richard and Juan and I have created is a spectrum to where, you know, there's different steps, there's different levels, there's different understandings, there's some emotional components, there's some analyzation components. Um, but really what they do is all these different webs make that person who they are. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, what we've done in society is when someone turns 18 years of age in the States, um, I think it's 19 more so in Canada and maybe different ages, different levels. We look at those people as quote unquote adults and expect that they can survive as long as they can pay their bills. But everyone stops and doesn't look at what is the, what are the next steps to advance your psychological wellness, your psychological maturity? And no one's looked at that. So looking at the platform that we've created is a friendly platform that allows all that webbing to be entangled. So we can start understanding ourselves more. And then I found some really good data recently on um, emotional intelligence. And it's interesting when I say we just need to improve our emotional intelligence, people automatically get offended, but it's not that it's the emotional intelligence of a situation or of an environment or of why we reacted that way. So really our emotional intelligence is not a blanket statement. It's very specific. And I think that's the piece that with Richard's, what he's developed um, and we've been able to incorporate into mental health. It will improve as we can continue to improve our emotional intelligence. We can continue to decrease violence, decrease suicidality, increase positive coping mechanisms to where we can all learn to reconnect with each other. So Richard, he didn't tell you, but he was an engineer by trade and then he became a philosopher. So he's very unique. <laughs> so the philosophy is very granular and he, you know, so it's, it's beautiful because it's taking the theory and it's really applying science and steps and, you know, on a very granular level to where it does make sense to people. So I'm, you know, I'm honored to be here to have created this um, therapy platform with them, the comprehensive consciousness, but I want to make it to where everyone becomes aware of it and we can have it in schools and universities and at companies and everyone just starts, it beca starts becoming a common language um, because right now there's no language associated with it. Um, and if, and if anyone, like I said, if anyone mentions it, either people are apprehensive or it's a taboo or I don't understand what you're saying. So the point of this webinar today is just to increase people's level of understanding um, so we can continue to spread this word. Juan or Richard, good. go for it, Richard. Tell them about well, your seven levels of consciousness and how you got there. Well, uh, why don't I tell uh, talk about the program that we put together. Um, Juan mm -hmm. helped me to do this. He helped me instrumentalize it in a way that makes it very friendly to the user. And we have uh, six e-learning courses that contribute this uh, consciousness platform. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first, the first uh, course is about understanding stages of development. There are seven stages of development we all go through from being born, well, from our time in the womb, all through to old age. Most people never get past the third stage of development. Um, 
And interestingly, I was having a coaching session today uh, with a young lady who's about to give birth, a very intelligent young lady who's at the fourth level, individuated, and she was like, gosh, I just, you know, studied your seven levels and it really, really makes sense now. I know how to look after my baby and my child because I know what they're going to need at each stage of development. Basically, um, without going on too long, we can get into that in more detail, uh, you don't have a fully functioning brain or a mind until you're about 21 and 22. So uh, teenagers do really stupid things because their neocortex is not fully developed. And uh, I was a teenager once and I did really stupid things. I'm sure one did. I'm sure you did, Katie. Uh, but anyhow, so uh, given the fact that uh, a lot of uh, the incidence of me mental ill health really takes off in the late teens and early 20s. And, and we had get a lot of suicides in that particular area. Then you get the young people or young men going off to war, they get PTSD. And, and this is, so they really uh, are not really fully equipped to understand what's happening to them. And what we can do in this course is help people to understand what's going on for them. So the first is the different stages of development, then there's we're at different stages of development, but then we operate at different levels of consciousness. So if, for example, you suddenly lose all your money, you will drop down to survival consciousness. Then there's the five steps to self-realization. How do you get from where you are to fully expressing yourself uh, and answering the question, who am I? Then there's the mental health. Well, you know, uh, People will talk a lot about stress. Uh, well, stress is all self-created. It's all about the beliefs that you hold uh, about what is going on. And those beliefs are formed during childhood. Then the fifth day uh, course is about making choices and decisions, making good decisions. There are six different ways of making decisions. And uh, the most important beliefs is, the, is really subconscious beliefs, but, and normal beliefs are how we normally operate, but we need to move beyond that in order to make wise choices to values-based decision-making. And then lastly, the last course is all about self-coaching. How, how do I recognize when I'm upset? How do I recognize uh, when I'm having out of alignment? And then what can I do to get back into alignment? So that's what Juan and I have created with, Kathy, with Katie. And, and this is now available to you. So that's a brief overview, and I'll invite both of you to comment. Yeah, actually, we'd like to uh, add to that. And going back to what Katie said at the beginning, that uh, this should be in schools. Everyone should know this. The sooner, the better. And um, I guess this is how I came in contact with Richard's work some years ago when I read, uh, I've been already a coach for a long time, personal coach, transformational coach, emotional, social intelligence coach for, for many years, uh, and everything was great. However, Richard Barrett's work and the model of several levels of consciousness and stages of development, just like Richard says about this coach he had today, it put everything in perspective, in a simple way, very clear, very organized for the human mind. Huh? We like to understand things, categorize, maybe put them in labels. And um, what that did with me on a personal level, what that did with the people I worked with and um, my work was revolutionary. 
And only then did I realize this whole a whole movement, a whole universe of people, thousands and thousands of consultants, coaches, facilitators, certified people around the world, using this uh, wisdom that you have, that we have in this program, uh, to bring about well-being at the individual level, organizational level, national level as well. So uh, with the selection of these six courses, what we're doing basically is bring to everyone in a simple way, this language, as Katie says, um, so that you can understand yourself better, how these inner dynamics work. And from this better understanding of yourself, better mastery of yourself, you can actually go out there into the world with a better sense of well-being and with the ability to have a better impact outside. I love that. And, you know, one thing that I tell clients a lot of times is, you know, our brain's not nearly as eclectic as we think it is. It's just extremely complex to where it looks eclectic. <laughs> and, and the more that we can understand our own patterns and truly understand them, because, you know, mood's cyclical, you know, depression, anxiety, trauma, there's something that triggers that cycle to begin. And if we're able to understand what that trigger is, which a lot of people can under, they know what triggers them, but they don't know how to neutralize it. So if they're able to see the trigger, to understand the analytical skills on how to neutralize it, then that is what gives the person their power back. Because if we don't understand it, the power goes to our emotions, which is the fear, which increases the catecholamines. And it just makes this vicious cycle of negativity to where you feel like you're no longer in control. And all the emotions are leading you. And that's something else I've noticed, you know, with, with all the therapies that we do, especially ketamine therapies. And this is why I love this program coupled with ketamine therapies and psychedelic therapies is because the psychedelics and the ketamine, they allow, they, they don't allow, they um, encourage, they uh, strategically push someone into a meditative state that is neutral. And that when that neutrality occurs, it starts disentangling all of those behavioral patterns that were connected in the first place. And because a lot of times people, they don't even know where to begin. So if we're able to utilize ketamine and psychedelics to put those individuals in that neutrality to where they feel themselves and they see everything else disentangled around them, and they're able to couple this with the learning platform that we have, then they're able to regain control on a fresh level. And that's one piece, you know, that. I love therapists. I think therapists are great. Um, but the piece of it, what happens is in society, we say, take this pill, you'll feel better, which people don't because it just suppresses. I mean, they do for a while, I guess, because it suppresses um, something, but then, and then go see a therapist. Well, it's great when people go see therapists and coaches, but if they're not learning these individual skills amongst themselves, then there's a codependent relationship that starts occurring with the coaches and the therapist and that person who still doesn't trust themselves themselves they start trusting the therapist or the coach and they impose those weaknesses that they have onto that person and again they're not doing anything productive they may feel like they are but they pulled in a third party into their situation and they're not improving necessarily except to say well i've got to go see my therapist because they'll help me solve it so that's the piece to where I really want this platform to be someone, this is like, this is what needs to happen, right? We all need to be aware of this. And then should we need a coach? Should we need a therapist who we can talk to on a granular level about these pieces about us 
that's how you best utilize them because they're the professionals that help us to pour into our own cup. Not the fact that we just go to our therapist because we don't know what else to do and we're going to take their advice and then, you know, and, and use that. So I think this system, of course, we all know the system is just messed up across the world. Um, but the more I think that we can encourage people to understand their own personal strengths and how amazing the brain is. I mean, if we can walk with the brain instead of being scared of the brain, that's how we empower ourselves. So I want to pick up on the, something you said there, two things, um, Katie. One, um, you talk about the brain. Uh, I, I talk about the mind and the, the link between the brain and the mind is not well understood. And, um, and I'm not even going to attempt to explain that. But what I do know is this, that um, the mind makes decisions, the brain carries them out uh, in a sense. Um, but uh, going back to the idea of neutrality, uh, one of the interesting concepts for gaining conscience, becoming conscious, that is regaining responsibility for your thoughts and feelings is that whatever's going on in, with you, happening to you, you're trying to interpret it and you interpret it through your beliefs. Well, actually, whatever is going on is neutral. It's, you give it, you impose your beliefs on what's going on in order to figure out what to do. Well, actually, what's going on is neutral and you have a choice. You can choose how to deal with what is going on. You can choose your feelings. You, you, not, you don't have to be uh, asleep, unconscious, and letting the past programming from your childhood and from your teenage years telling you how to react to what is going on uh, when it actually... Uh, you can gain responsibility and accountability for yourself by saying, okay, that's interesting. Um, that just happened and I gave it this meaning. Um, actually, I can give it a different meaning if I want, or I can give it no meaning. And so uh, maintaining that neutrality allows you to have choices. And that's what happens during that ketamine infusion you get into that space of neutrality which then opens up the possibility to make different choices and that's why this program combined with the ketamine uh, is really powerful because it uh, it supports the aftercare of the treatment yeah and that, and there's a couple of sayings that i tell people that i've learned from you richard um, you know, how people will say um, past, present, and future. And in the present, you have stated how we're neutral in the present. And we take our previous beliefs and we impose those on our present. So I feel a lot of the clients that we see who are struggling with um, reactivity per se, with the depression and anxiety and trauma and not being able to sleep and not being able to turn their mind off and all those pieces. I've told them, you know, what we've done is we've taken our past experiences, which are typically negative um, that we hold on to, and we impose those on our future. We're trying to protect our future from our past, but what we forget is the present. And then we're all scared to death to sit with ourselves in the present, even though we're in the present with ourselves all the time, you know, so it's almost just, it's a missing link. So I always tell people, you know, try to teach yourself to sit in the present. And that's the neutral aspects that, you know, people can hear. 
And then the other piece that I'll tell people, Richard, is because um, it blew my mind when you two things blew my mind when you said and they were so simple, but they were so impactful is, you know, every decision that you make is based on your soul or your ego. And, you know, I, I went back after you said that, because I'm like, how do I people who are spiritual or non-spiritual, agnostic, atheist, whatever, I don't care. Um, but how do we, you know, scientifically, can we say there's a soul? Can we say there's an ego? Um, everyone believes in the ego, but not everyone believes in the soul, but you can go back actually, and there's data that uh, pinpoints to a certain specific part of the brain to where the soul um, is. And so, you know, when I tell people that every decision is based on your soul or your ego, I'll tell them that your soul is loving and vulnerable and connecting mm -hmm. and, you know, all the pieces that we want to be, but then your ego is disconnecting and isolated and protective. So, you know, as we're empathetic, individuals if we've been hurt before our soul will come back in our ego goes to the front and it becomes the protection which disconnects us all from life which makes it you know life not living not not worth living um you know so i love that saying the soul and the ego and then the other piece i'll tell people is the values versus beliefs because as a company you know that i founded in a mental health crisis that's you know taking off and i mean there's so many moving parts um but one thing that I keep in mind, Richard, is where you say, you know, values can, with with values, you grow and with beliefs, you 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 don't grow. And that's how you can really see, you know, um, the different pieces of. So like with the company, as we're growing, the people who I align with, who are with on the same page, I'm like, oh, our values align. And it feels so good just to have that, you know, specific piece. And then when I notice people come on board and if I feel like they're pulling back on the growth for one reason or another, which may be fear or whatever else, then I'm like, okay, that's their beliefs that are coming to the system to where we're not aligning. So, so it makes me have, you know, better categorization of to where I feel like I have more of a clear picture, um, you know, with, with making decisions. So basically values connect when we share values, we feel connected uh, and beliefs separate. And you can see that through all of the religions, the religions are separated because they have different beliefs. So values align, values connect, uh, beliefs separate. And um, so when you make decisions based on your values, rather than on your beliefs, you can make decisions which allow you to connect with one another and which allow love to flow between you. Now, just one more point on the ego-soul dynamics. The ego is not the problem, it's the fears of the ego that are the problem. Um, bringing, getting your ego into alignment with your soul is all about letting go of your ego's fears. And uh, where would I be without my ego, I say? Uh, but uh, <laughs> where would I be without my fears of my ego is really the question. And I would be much more living in soul consciousness or more conscious than if I'm allowing my fears dictate my decisions. Yeah. Maybe I'm going to add on top of that as well, uh, that if I take my own personal development journey and uh, if I look at the courses that are being uh, shared in this platform. Um, you know how you say, you see a lot of people that um, they look for either money or they look for you know, intimacy, relationships, uh, or career, power, growth. And uh, at some point or another, most of us, if not all, have been there. And I always looked at other people who would care about things that, for me, were like from another planet. Right? 
even until today, I'm almost 40 years old. And uh, I realized that I, uh, I think about these values, these, these things like um, compassion, um, humility, and I use them as values that I have. Uh, Richard very smartly puts it as aspirational values because there's things that we know they're important, we aspire to them, uh, but do we live them on a daily basis? Uh, do they drive our behaviors, our choices? And on a daily basis, each one of us are dominated by, by fears, like Richard says, that bring our consciousness down to a certain point that we forget about the things uh, that are also part of our nature that we have there at our disposal if we are free from those fears to go up metaphorically in levels of consciousness and operate from those higher places where love manifests, where collaboration manifests, where uh, creativity manifests, uh, compassion, love, empathy, um, support, service. And um, that is like, a, like another planet, a new domain that opens up once we start taking, like Richard says, the responsibility for our own emotions and thoughts and deal with those fears teach them kindly so that they become better companions, better uh, messengers of the things that are important for us. And that inner regulation, that teaching ourselves and our ego to talk to ourselves in a more constructive way, it is a transformation that anyone can go through given the right circumstances, skills, knowledge, and support. That's why this uh, program is uh, one of the great ways that uh, this can happen. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been using um, an analogy lately, uh, you know, if you have a 200 pound Great Dane who is not trained at all, and you put the Great Dane on a leash to walk it, it's going to drag you across the road. Mm -hmm. If you have trained the Great Dane to where the Great Dane will sit next to you and hear you verbally with verbal commands, mm -hmm. that's exactly the way the brain works. It's yes. all about us having that, the, the introspection of ourselves and two, changing the whole language of society. Cause think about mental health. We, we've told people, oh, your mental health is out of your control. And absolutely not. We are absolutely seeing that it is so much more in your control than what any of us know. And there was actually uh, something that came out, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, children who have codependent, who have alcoholic parents or parents who are on, on substances that may alter their, their, you know, psychological abilities when they're younger, these children before the age of five, if you actually teach the children, not necessarily on addiction, but maybe on the behaviors of what their parents may exhibit, even at the young age of five, they have proven that these children get older. As they get older, they do not become codependent, um, expecting that they just never were loved when they were little because they were able to see that the parent wasn't able to necessarily control those pieces. So the more that we can, you know, if we made this platform to where it's 50 people, 15 years of age and up can, can utilize, which is uh, beautiful because no one's done, no one's done this. Um, you know, and it, it seems so simple. We should all be doing it across the world. There should be 200,000 programs like this. Um, but the younger we can go to start teaching our children to where it's not you, it may be the environment, but this is how you handle it. This is the, you were given these cards and let's show you how you can objectively, you know, work with the cards that you were dealt. Um, Cause you know, even in the foster system, we get a lot of children at the clinics that have had, you know, significant trauma in the foster system and their adoptive parents will bring them in. You know, what we do in society right now is if a child's in a bad environment, we just pull them from the environment. And, and sometimes I've seen 
it's almost more traumatizing to the child to pull them from that because we just took their whole pillar away. They know nothing now. Are they in a safe family? Yes, but they have no, no, no ground, you know, to build off of instead, if we, if they could have stayed in the environment, maybe if it was, you know, okay-ish to stay in and we could have taught them how to live within that environment, that child may have flourished more so because we didn't rock the base that they had. And one of the keys in all of that is teaching children um, how to use their values, how to make decisions. You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, the children will react based on their beliefs about getting their needs met. Basically, each stage of development has different needs. First two years of development are all about the baby feeling, uh, getting its survival needs met. And uh, the next uh, six or seven years are about feeling a sense of belonging. And then from about eight or nine to uh, early 20s, it's about feeling uh, recognized uh, by your peers and by your parents uh, so that you feel like um, you have respect for yourself because other people uh, respect you and listen to you. And so when those needs are not met, uh, they stay with you the rest of your life, and uh, and this is these fears of not getting your needs met is what creates um, these uh, limiting beliefs that then uh, govern your life the rest of your life unless you learn to tame them, understand them, and and move from the operating from the beliefs to operating from values. And what does it mean to be operating from values? Well, it means um, Okay, this just happened. Um, what instead of reacting based on my belief, I said, "Well, what value do I want to bring to this situation?" And then I embrace in my response that particular value. And usually, these are positive values. They're connecting values. They're values which uh, don't um, play into the fears of the ego. So. Yeah, so you know who we are by the time we're 20 or 21 is really much based on the conditioning that we receive from our parents, unless we learn how to make, as you would point out, how we understand that, uh, that parents uh, are operating in a particular way towards us because of the beliefs those parents have and the situation those parents have. And, and we can, we can, choose not to react and we can choose values in which to guide our life. And I like Richard that you say um, react because um, one of the one of the pieces that I my most common example that I'll use as emotions uh, is the word anger because uh, most people understand across the world about anger. And, you know, I'll tell people, you know, what do they say about anger? You never react when you're angry. You never go to bed when you're angry. You always count to 10. You know, there's all these different pieces that you do with anger specifically, but the anger emotion is no different than the, than the rest that, you know, joy and uh, sadness and happiness and all these different aspects, but we don't give them the attention that they need. So, it, you know, it just, it creates that conflict that's continual in our mind to where we may just, just focus on anger or just focus on fear. And then unfortunately, even in the school systems, we're not focusing on wellness. We're focusing on, are you suicidal? 
are you depressed? Well, here's the symptoms of this, you know, and it's, we're reactive, right? We think we're being, we're being, you know, productive and proactive with trying to see if these children are suicidal. And if anything, we may be hurting the issue instead of trying to teach them, oh yeah, 70% of people have suicidal thoughts at one time in their life. This is why they may feel out of control and the brain may be overcompensating to say, I can help you to regain control. So if you have this, don't be afraid of it, but let's talk about the environmental factors that are surrounding you to see what made you feel out of control and how we can help you to regain control. But what do we do? If you have suicidal thoughts, call 911 or go to your closest emergency room. And we have to put that, right? It's mandated that we put that on our phones. So, you know, so, so here we are in this crisis that none of us know anything about, but we all know everything, right? Because of our egos. Um, but it's, it's something to where it needs to start, honestly, probably when these children can begin to talk, that we start implementing these steps in their life so we can see, so they can see, because they're coming to us now. I have a 13-year-old daughter and it seems that there are, a lot of positive talks between her and her friends talking about symptoms of anxiety and depression, different things like that. And I didn't induce it. She just kind of talks to me about it, but you know, so they're talking, which is great. But then when they come to adults who the adults who aren't, you know, necessarily maybe on the same page that we are, who may not believe in mental health, maybe believe it's all in your mind, just get out of your mind. You know, these kids are coming to adults and these adults have zero insight to give them. So we're hurting the babies who are trying to improve their environment because we don't know. So if anything, we need to be doing the, the therapy platform so we can help lead the generations below us on a level that's necessary for them to thrive. Because right now we're doing a disservice to all of them across the board. Right. So the uh, anger is uh, when you don't get your ego needs met and joy is when your soul gets its desires met. So, um, you know, to uh, if you want to uh, get out of anger, then you have to move to understanding. So you're angry with somebody. Okay, you're in a long line waiting to get some serve, and you get angry and angry because you're impatient. And uh, now, if you shift to understanding, you can see that the person who is trying to deal with this long line of people is completely overworked and you're taking it personally. And so now you understand that, that the situation is making you feel impatient, which is making you feel angry, but it is not the fault of the person. That person just does not have the equipment or the support they need. And, and so understanding can replace anger. And, I, uh, and you know, I, one of the things that I like to ask people is, well, what brings you joy? You know, I've just, I've just started my third career. Uh, I was a transportation engineer, then I was a philosopher dealing with all the things that we're talking about. And last year I decided, all of a sudden, my soul told me to paint. And it brings me joy. And writing books, which I've written 14, no longer brought me joy. Now, why? It wasn't a, it, it wasn't like a, oh, I thought it through. It was, oh, this is what my soul is asking me to do. And so you have to pay attention to that inner voice because who we are really is we are these souls having this human experience. 
And the ego is trying to protect that experience, but it gets carried away with the responsibility for protecting the soul. And, and, and so it gets out of alignment with the soul. That's why if you can tame the fears of the ego, you can live in soul consciousness and experience more joy in your life and only focus on the things that bring you joy. Uh, it's, but it's a lifelong journey. It doesn't happen overnight. That's the point. Uh, you know, um, even when we, even when we're conscious, we still get triggered. Juan and I had a little triggering of each other the last in the last twenty four hours. We got upset with each other, and um, and you know, it was like, oh, okay. So there's the fears of the ego playing out in our relationship, and um, uh, well, you know, what are we going to do about it? Well, we're going to do something about it after this call. I love it. Well, and this is a piece too. So one thing I've started telling people, even with like addiction. So there's a, there's a lot of really good data that's coming out with um, even addiction um, with, with ketamine therapies. And um, what I've talked to people about, like even with the different forms of ketamine, what ketamine does is, like I said, I told someone the other day, I said, it's like the McDonald's of meditation. And they said, I should get a shirt that says that. I'm like, I don't know if I want that to necessarily be, you know, um, what represents what we're trying to do, but it is, it, it, it's like a drive-through for meditation. People are like, I can't meditate. Ketamine's going to make you meditate. Um, so, it, you know, it, it's it, acting as a catalyst to, to encourage this environment. But what I've told people, you know, is if we can even identify that we're being reactive to something, right? Even if, it, if it's anxiety or panic or just, just something that takes us out of feeling like we can't sit in the moment of, those are the times when ketamine therapies come into play so well because we're able to actually utilize something to put us in that neutral mindset. And then we're able to utilize this platform and then, and then it force it, not forces. I don't like that word necessarily. It opens our mind to see different angles of thoughts because what happens too, I was actually, I was working in the um, operating room. I used to work with the difficult surgeons, believe it or not. If there's a difficult surgeon, Katie was in their room. Um, and, you know, cause I was always able to speak to them on a level to where we weren't arguing. I just wanted to, you know, collaborate and such. But I had an anesthesiologist tell me one time, and this guy, um, what did he do? He's kind of like you, Richard, but he did, um, he was a, a, a dentist first, and then he went back to medical school and, and got a degree in internal medicine, and then, be, then he became an anesthesiologist. But one thing he told me, which I thought was really insightful, and it kind of goes along with the platform as to what we're talking about, is when you're in survival mode, so that could be, you know, if you're having suicidal thoughts or this continuous depression or anxiety, or if you're getting your PhD. Um, or if you're in a very stress induced environment that has a goal at the end, but you're doing everything that you can do to push through that program. So maybe a divorce or maybe, you know, just something, right. And if you're in that survival mode, you cannot improve your emotional skill set at that time because you don't have the ability to cross over. So when we're in that neutral space, we can't be in the survival mode. They don't exist at the same time. And you have to have respect for each. So, you know, I think with the ego and the protection and all these different pieces, that, that's someone in survival mode constantly. And I always tell them, I'm like, you know, you feel like you're always running from a bear. Well, you can't stop and smell the flowers when you're running from a bear. But there's a way that we can even recognize that we're in the survival mode and we stopped developing feelings or, you know, being able to enjoy things or different things like that. 
that's the time where people should look at ketamine therapies and psychedelics because they're able to get into that neutral space that they can't otherwise get to. So this is the first time I, I feel like, you know, in the world um, that we're actually able to admire the brain instead of saying your brain's not functioning correctly. Cause I tell everyone, I'm like, your brain's functioning correctly. It's just on the wrong path. Yeah. Your brain, our brains are not, yeah. they're not stupid at all. It's like putting a band-aid, you know, on a, on a, on a computer mm -hmm. saying, Oh, this is going to work. Well, it's not, we've got to understand the way the processing system works. Yeah. Once we understand it, that's the calming effect. So one, like, what would you say, like people who come to you on the coaching level, why are they coming to you for like purpose and psychological growth? Or do they come to you because they can't sleep? They're having anxiety. They're having depression because I think those two pieces are very, they're starkly different. They both need to be addressed, but they're starkly different. Yeah. Uh, good question. Uh, it's a different, uh, it's different every time. These are, all, I think they're all symptoms uh, at the end when we come to the core is the things we touch in this program, right? Uh, but they come because they're aware of the symptom. They're not aware of the root cause. They don't even understand the cause. Nobody taught them about it. And I guess one of the, what I do in my, in my practice is that is uh, I also give them access to this knowledge, to this wisdom, give them the rate, the agency, right? The ability to understand themselves and the skills to, to, to do this uh, process for themselves. Um, but yeah, sometimes they, don't, they cannot sleep. It's they're stressed. <clears throat> sometimes they're um, just full of anger or they cry every time they think about their mother and um, they cannot go to work because they're scared of their colleagues. They're all just, for me, symptoms of uh, an inability to make neutral to positive meaning out of situations. Like you said, it's a contextual thing. Um, we, we look at every situation in, in the present and we make meaning of it and we, 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 we make a story out of it. And the problem is that um, this meaning making uh, we can do it consciously or unconsciously. And most people are driving the car of their lives looking at the review mirror, right? Because of this conditioning that Richard talked about, because we were so focused on what happened and the needs that were not met when we were younger and the storylines that we created. So it's like driving a car, looking at the review mirror, it's gonna be a bumpy ride. It doesn't feel good in the present. I don't experience well-being. I'm bumping all over. I'm creating problems for myself and others. Uh, and then basically start to, um, uh, lead your life in a, in a different way means that you start actually being conscious of where where you want to go uh, be clear from the influence of the past start making decisions on how you want to interpret every present moment like you said right someone screamed at me or that that, that person's being mean or that person speaking to me in a way that i don't know how to deal with or make positive meaning out of that right uh, i feel scared right now is it because the situation is scary or is it because um, I, I am a master in imagining negative scenarios about what could happen. And I haven't practiced the skill of thinking, how could it be also the opposite? How could it go fantastically? What would I like instead? Uh, how would I, um, uh, what, what options do I have? Which one do I choose? How do I move forward towards a future that I like? So it's all a matter of skills. And I love what you said, that it's not that the brain is, is wrong or the, the mental it's all about learned strategies and unconscious thinking. But the moment that you say, great, I'm not wrong. I'm, I don't have a psychological problem. I just became really, really good at doing mental strategies that take me to a self-limiting emotional state. And you can actually become proud of the fact that your brain learns so well. It's just a strategy that doesn't make you feel good. 
it doesn't lead to constructive action. But just like it learned those things, the same power it has, if you choose the intention of developing the other skills that lead it to constructive thought, constructive uh, self-empowering emotion, therefore empowered action, and to change your life for the better. From going to, to surviving and suffering to just being normal, which for a lot of people, that's already a huge accomplishment. And to feel okay, to thrive and feel you know, deep joy and fulfillment, that's the next step, uh, stage. And Miskin, uh, sorry, that was Dutch. I don't know when my Dutch is coming because I live in the Netherlands. But last thing I want to say about this is you use the word thought a couple of times. Thoughts, thought, thoughts. Thoughts show you it's a, it's a verb in the past. It's already thought. So anytime we think of something, please, let's thinking of, you think you have a new thought, but it's already been determined. It's already been thought already by someone else, put in your mind, or you thought it subconsciously, and then you became aware of it. That's why you're looking at the review mirror. Instead of that, these courses in the platform uh, allow you to realize that you can choose to be in the present moment, like Katie says, making conscious choices of what intentions you want to set and what interpretations of the neutral reality that is around you. You can choose to see the beauty in everything. You can see to choose the opportunity in everything. You can see, uh, um, choose to feel good about whatever happens. And... Um, yeah, I think I've, uh, I've said everything I had to say, but uh, I love this idea of the thought is already thought. Don't live from that, live from intention. What do I want to happen? How would love manifest here? Uh, what are the possibilities? Which one do I choose? And I love that you just said the word choice because people come to us, they're like, I can't, like I can't choose. Hmm. And, and, you know, and sometimes they are in such survival mode. So that we've proven the brain duplicates what it knows. And I'll tell people, you know, when they come in with like depression or anxiety and such, I'm like, it's a lot worse now than it was 15 years ago, isn't it? Even though you have greater coping mechanisms and you would expect it would be better, it's worse. And they're like, oh yeah, it's worse. Well, the brain duplicates what it knows and people feel like they don't have a choice because, you know, the emotions are leading everything. So one thing I like to tell individuals, because, you know, no one knows when they need help, right? Necessarily. Um, they, we've not trained anyone to be able to ask for help unless they're having thoughts of killing themselves again, which is, we're way behind the curve on that. But, you know, but the piece of it that I've learned with a lot of individuals is if we're a, if, if something comes to us, if an environment comes to us and it's an analytical environment, but it's being led by an emotion, that's when we need to get help. So if it's say I lose um, someone acutely and I can't talk about it because I want to cry the whole time and I just suppress that, or I can't talk about it because I get angry, um, you know, that's something that is showing us that the emotions are leading us and we're not able, I love it when you say strategy, we're not able to have that strategy because when emotions are there, like I tell people, emotions, they're non-tangible. We can't hold on to them. They're not real. They'll control our lives, but they're not real. But the more that we're afraid of them, the more that they duplicate the negative aspects and, it, and you go down this negative cycle to where you don't feel like you have a choice in creating a strategy. So the more that we can understand, you know, the emotional capacity, and this is scientifically proven. This is one thing I love about it. So I don't know where I read this, but like, you know, your frontal lobe has your short-term memories in it. And that's where emotions are connected to it. Maybe you told me this, Richard, I don't know if you did or not, or if I just read this somewhere else, but your short-term memories have emotions connected to it. 
and then they cite and they and then they um, you know they just circle and circle and circle and that is something that we like to call PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder um, and what happens is once those emotions in the short-term memory when they get stuck there we're on this repetitive cycle of just horribleness and and our brain can't process it but if we're able to disconnect that emotion from the situation it goes to a part of our brain that allows it to process when it gets processed, it goes into our long-term memory. In our long-term memory, the memories are there, but the emotions aren't connected to it. So I can talk about the death of a loved one very objectively, and I can honor that person's memory. Could I cry with it? Sure, if I wanted to, I could bring it up, but it doesn't lead me. So if there's an emotion that's leading me with anything, and I don't like that emotion, that's when I need to get help. Um, and that's when ketamine and psychedelics come into play so well, because they allow you to find that neutral space that you know you're looking for. You know you are. You feel like you're in a conflict with yourself and you can't control anything. So if we're able to get that going and to include this platform with individuals, you know, that's how you get back in control. And you do feel like, oh my gosh, I do. I am able to work on a strategy as to want what Juan mentioned. Because me now, personally, if I react to something, I'll look at myself and go, well, what was that for? You know, instead of me being like, oh, I couldn't control it. You know, if I'm able to actually have that self-introspection, see why I reacted that way, then I can neutralize it and I get back in control. And that's what everyone here on this call is wanting the world to do because we all see how reactionary the world is. We're in a very unhealthy mental, mentally, you know, mentally health, I don't know, un unhealthy mental capacity world, I guess I'm trying to say, I don't know. But, um, or, you know. or we are all experts and we have practiced a lot. The whole world has practiced a lot these very unhealthy strategies, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Completely, yeah. And, and we have a beautiful opportunity in front of us, a choice, like you said, as a society, as, as individuals. Um, in what world do you want to live? And it starts with choosing the inner world you want to live. What emotions do you want to have? Mm -hmm. uh, can you envision them? Can you, do you have the courage to choose them for you? And then can you develop the skills to create them, uh, and that's what this platform has. It gives you, it gives you the steps. It gives you the knowledge, the simplification of psychology, so you can uh, have agency over that. Yeah. So bef I know we're coming to a close, but before we do, I just want to uh, give a definition of depression, which will give you a lot of insight. Um, I call depression the sadness of the soul. Uh, the soul, uh, everybody has a soul, and uh, the soul incarnates into this three-dimensional materiality for three reasons. One, to self-express. Two, to connect with other people. And three, to contribute. Um, and when the soul is, is unable to self-express, when the soul is when when you are unable to self-express, when you're unable to connect, when you're unable to contribute because of your beliefs, you get depressed, and that is the soul feeling sad. And so you have to. This is the link between the ego and the soul. Ego soul dynamic. If we understood the ego soul dynamic, we'd realize that. Uh, the soul has intention for your life. Um, you are your soul. Uh, you're not your ego. Your ego uh, the is, is what you've learned about yourself based on the environment in which you live and the fears that you gathered during that process. The soul is fearless. 
the soul is not wrapped up in the fears of the ego. It, it's separate. But when the fears of the ego affect, block the soul from self-expression, connection, and contribution, that's depression. And eventually, it leads to thoughts about suicide. Whereas it's you have a choice by getting into the present. And I love this, you know, the present is a gift. <laughs> That's a play on words, you know. Do you get a present at Christmas? Yes, I get presents. Okay. The present is a gift. And that's why I, when I first met Katie and understood what she was doing, she's enabling through ketamine treatment to get people into the present. And that present is a gift in order to, to help them to make choice, different choices about what they want to do with their lives rather than live unconsciously. It's really as simple as that and it's as complicated as that. And I think, you know, one, what you're saying about strategy, it, when we're living in survival, we're reacting. We're not, we don't have the ability to actually have an effective strategy. So if we're in the neutrality, as Richard mentions, then we're able to create a strategy. But the issue is, and this is where coaches and, and therapists and such come into play so well, is once we find the neutrality and we're ready to create a strategy, we have none of those skills. So this platform that we have is all about teaching skills on a level that each person can understand. Because once we get the skills, I mean, that's, that's the piece that I just see so much with individuals with ketamine and psychedelic therapies. They say, I feel more laid back and I feel more empowered. And if you think about living in the in present, you know, nothing can phase you because you're neutral. Uh, and, and that's the beauty of it is if we can get people to get in the neutral, to understand the steps to take for their strategy, to create the life that they want to live, not to feel like they're being forced in a life that they don't want to live or that they want to end, then that's how you change. That's how we change everything. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah. So one more thing, uh, two more things. One, um, anger is always about the past and unmet needs. Fear is always about the future. Um, and so if you can move into the present, you can live outside of anger and fear. Uh, wow. Um, and uh, the other point, Katie, is um, how can people get hold of this revolutionary course that you're putting out into the I world? love it. That's very good, Richard. Yeah, so, you know, so one thing that we actually just um, announced today that we partnered with a, a physician group to where we can provide ketamine therapies across 28 states um, with 22 more states pending in the United States. And then also, you know, hopefully we'll be over to the UK soon too. But, you know, because it's all about access and getting these people the mm. safe access that they need, because we're seeing all these beautiful studies with psychedelics and ketamine and such. And then there's such limited access. We're almost telling people to go on the streets and, and that's the you know safest access that you can get. So we're really working with that to try to improve people's access to where we can have the McDonald's meditation um, with ketamine and psychedelics. Um, but yeah, but with that piece, with the platform that we have, we've got it set on learn.revitalistclinic.com to where everyone can go there and they can purchase the um, each of the individual modules or they can purchase the entire program. Uh, but my piece too, you know, with that is if people are with therapists um, and coaches, like this is a beautiful platform to where you can work in this platform with your therapist or with your coach 
and they can really help to explain it to you as well because we've set it up to where it's you know it's, it's very comprehensive but like I said you know you may watch one video and want to watch it like three times if you're like me because it's just so simple but it's such an epiphany piece to where none of us understand this and you know one another piece that I was telling actually a teenager the other day um, you know is that I feel like their software is almost like, a, you know, I'll tell them their software is way up here and their hardware is way down here. So the more, you know, with ketamine therapies and psychedelics and all the different pieces, the more that we're able to get ourselves in that neutral space, then we can work on the strategies to where our hardware starts building up to where it matches our software. Because most people that struggle with mental health, they're amazingly smart. I just don't think that they know how to deal with themselves all the time. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately society around them is not very smart. Uh, so it's something to where if we can get those different levels, um, we can neutralize that. And when we find that neutrality, that's how we heal and grow and become purposeful and connect and decrease all this violence. Um, it's a beautiful thing. So anything else that you would like to say, Richard or Juan, before we end this? Uh, and the microphone over to Juan. Yeah, I would like to give one last metaphor uh, for some things that were spoken today, some wisdoms. Using what you said about the neutrality, the neutral point, how important it is to come to the present into neutral perception of life, to be free from self-limiting emotions. The metaphor that came to mind was, and I know Americans love, love their uh, automatic cars, but if you've ever driven with a stick, people sometimes are doing well in life. They're going well or very well. They might be in first, second, third, fourth gear. If you want to get to the next gear, you have to first go to neutral, pass through one to neutral to go to the next. And some of us are suffering or struggling. We're in reverse. Anyways, if you want to go from reverse to first gear, you still have to go through neutral. That's the importance of neutral. And I guess what I want to say to everyone listening to this is, if, they have to, if we have to boil it down to a couple steps, is learn to come to neutral, to the present neutral interpretation of the moment. If you cannot do it, use the resources available. Ketamine is one of them, right? Learning to meditate is another one. Presence, mindfulness is another one. Once you have that, you give a taste of what it feels to be free in the present moment. Choose to go to first, second, fifth gear, whatever it is, by choosing the strategies. I think this is one way to summarizing everything we've spoken. And their tools exist. This is one of them, this platform. I wish everyone, and I know I speak also on behalf of Catherine and Richard, we wish everyone well-being. It's ours. We have it. We just have to remember how to get it. I love it. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for, um, I'm glad our paths crossed. I hope they continue to cross and we can help to improve lives. And like I said, you can find the platform on learn.revitalsclinic.com and then we'll have this link up to where individuals can share it. Um, but really it's about building trainings, building strategies, improving our mental health, recognizing that we do have so much more control than what we know. And like one and Richard saying, you know, the more we can find that neutral space, the more that we can take it to the next level. And that's what we're all looking for. So I appreciate everyone's time today. And um, yeah, take care, best wishes and cheers to the future. Thank you, Catherine. All right, guys. Thanks so much.